Afternoon, everybody. Welcome to this edition of the KTH 9:10 a.m. interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Uh, my name is Dave Palmer, executive director here at the station. Diane Xavier is flawlessly executing her duties as uh, producer and uh, board op for this program. So I appreciate her very much. Uh, I am going to introduce you to a delightful priest who I have just met for the first time, but uh, he and I have been talking away, and I, I do want to thank, uh, before the introduction, my dear friend Lourdes Hernandez. Uh, she and her husband Victor are good friends of ours, and she's the one that had emailed me and said, Dave, can you talk to Father uh, Mark Malik? Uh, he is with the Melkite Eparchy, and I thought, okay, I'm intrigued. Let's go for this. And <laughs> so Father Mark Malik is here, um, and and uh, actually the brother of uh, another friend, Janine Gappa, she and her husband David. So I feel like I know you and uh, we have all these connections, but uh, a lot to talk about because probably everybody is like, Melkite, what? Eparchy, what? What's going on? So welcome. Thanks for coming in. Including my family. <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't know either, huh? <laughs> They've been learning a lot. Well, they the can way. just listen to this interview exactly. and everything will be cleared up. Exactly, so uh, yes. before we get to the Melkite uh, Eparchy and uh, this, I know it's been a, a circuitous route for you getting there. Uh, tell us about yourself. You grew up here in North Texas in Fort Worth. Um, your parents were very involved in the church. Uh, tell us about your upbringing, St. Andrew Catholic Church in Fort Worth. Uh, you know, always good, faithful Catholic. When did God kind of so, t- t- so. you know, knock you on the head and say, hey, I want you to be a priest? Or tell us about that, your upbringing. So yeah, I, actually it's a, it's a joy to be uh, from Fort Worth. I, I, three generations of Maliks yeah. born in Fort Worth. So, uh, so a long history here. Uh, all of us were born in Harris Hospital, except my one brother, but we'll, we'll talk about that. Black sheep, right? He's okay. a black sheep. Yeah. So, uh, yes, my mom was originally from Kansas City. She moved down here when they married in 1971. And so I was born in 1972, and uh, I was baptized. We, we started out going to St. Bartholomew's. I was baptized at St. Bartholomew's and then uh, moved over. We When I started grade school, started at, uh, then we moved over to St. Andrews, which is where I made my first communion, Was I was confirmed, and uh, then I went on to, uh, started serving at uh, St. Andrews, mm-hmm. and it was a server all my life. Uh, well, not all my life, but from the time I could start serving. Then went on to Monsignor Nolan Catholic High School, and uh, let me see here, I was, the gra- I was part of the graduating class of 1991. Mm-hmm. We didn't have air conditioning for the first two years and you couldn't wear shorts so all these oh, all the wow. kids all the students go to Nolan now they they have a luxury a lot, of, they, a lot of sweat rings right oh my yeah. gosh yeah sometimes we had to be sometimes they let us go early because it just was so hot yeah, yeah. and uh, oh we'd be falling asleep during class and in the <laughs> afternoon because, yeah oh yeah uh then uh, after that went on to um and I got to know very well, I'll throw them in here, you know, St. Anthony's Books and Gifts. Oh, yeah. Uh, yes. yes. Uh, they, Edith Myers and her son Richard Myers were, uh, have established that store. Mm-hmm. Mary now takes care of it. You know, Richard died uh, a few years ago. But uh, probably outside of my parents, my upbringing, they were probably two of the most important people uh, in my life. In my, mm-hmm. If you want to talk about my vocational journey as they talk about it. Uh, another gentleman was Mr. Mark Rist, who was a uh, a teacher at yeah, Nolan High School. Yeah, I've interviewed School. him before. Yeah, so I would say outside, but he admires even before Mark Rist. Uh, I, when I would hear kind of questions and uh, concerns and and I'd all, Edith Myers was so well read. She was she she was an Episcopalian, but she had read herself into the church. And uh, we used to get together with them, my family, and pray the Rosary 
Mm-hmm. Uh, once they had the Blue Army at the time, and a whole group of them got together. And so uh, they actually helped me. I remember going to Edith Myers. I was pretty clear in my head what I wanted to do for college, where mm-hmm. I wanted to go. I didn't want want to go get a business degree or anything. I really wanted a good classical liberal arts education, mm-hmm. great books program. And uh, Edith Myers gave me a list of three colleges at the time. Because this is, remember, this is early, you know, late 80s uh, when I was applying. And, uh, or, you know, uh, no, early, early 90s. So at that time, still, there weren't a lot of kind of colleges. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the three, Steubenville had just come back around yeah. at the time. And there was Magdalen College, Th- Thomas Aquinas College, and Christendom College. Those were the yeah. four that came up. And University of Dallas. And uh, out of all that experience, I went to... Uh, I went to Magdalen College okay. and did my four years liberal arts, and I just loved it. And then, where's uh, that located? It's in uh, New Hampshire. Okay, right, uh, Warner, New Hampshire, which is nowhere where and to give people kind of an idea. It's up in the White Mountains. Well, at least you solved the problem of the heat from your high school years, oh, right? Yeah, I went now to the you're up north. Extreme. Yeah. I went to the extreme <laughs> where you know, like, like for two months, it doesn't even get above zero. <laughs> uh, I got frostbitten. I love. Yeah, it was. It, I loved the experience. Beautiful falls. Um, it's a, it was about ten minutes from the Canadian border where we yeah. were. Yeah, so just gorgeous. And uh, and I would say that was the next most most formative time of my life and my vocation. And uh, with the help of Mr. John Meehan, who was who was one of the founders of Magdalen College, I went down to uh, after I graduated, I went down to Holy Apostles in Cromwell, Connecticut. I always thought it was strange you had a had a Catholic seminary in a in a very Protestant, a very Protestant mm-hmm. named town, yeah. Cromwell. The, the town wasn't really Protestant, but Cromwell. And I did one year there. To, to really decide on really this is the right one to go. Yeah. And, uh, and I met the Society of Our Lady of the Most Holy Trinity, and I was with them for two years. Mm. Went down to Mexico, went to Spain, did some missionary work, and uh, then decided, well, no, this isn't really for me. And then I went on to a, a monastery, and I think maybe some of your listeners may know about the, found the, the Benedictine Monastery in Norcia, mm-hmm. or Norcia. Yeah, Father Cashin Folsom. Well, I was one of the founding members of that. Oh, is that right? Yeah, I joined Father Cashin. Met Father Cashin when he used to come out to Magdalene. Okay. He came out to Magdalene primarily to experience the seminar method, and I just we just hit it off, and uh, so I stayed in contact with him. So when he started his his foundation, nineteen ninety nine, uh, he nineteen ninety eight, nineteen ninety eight, he told me I was you know if I was interested, come out. So there's five of us that went out there for the first experience. We were living in Rome, and. Uh, I loved. I mean, I loved it. I love. I've always loved the Benedictine way of life. And yeah. It's rootedness in in the early church and the liturgy and its rhythm of prayer. So I went out there. So I was there for two years. Was there for the jubilee year uh, when John Paul II opened the doors mm-hmm. and all the other got to go to Padre Pio's co- coordination, Edith Stein's coordination. It was it was a phenomenal two years. Study at the Angelicum for a period of time, and the Greg. And but after two years there, I, I really began to miss the United States. Yeah. And I realized, well, monastic life, you're first and foremost a monk, not a priest. And I really mm-hmm. felt called a priest. So I came back home. And in the meantime, I started hearing about Archbishop Chaput. And uh, so I came back home and gave him a call. He said, come on up. I In Denver? In yeah. Denver. I went to meet Chaput in Denver, and we talked. He said, I'd be happy to have you come up here. And uh, But in the in terms of the interview process and applying, they thought it would be best for me to come up there for one year mm-hmm. just to live. Yeah. And see how I like Denver. So I did, and I went there and taught at a uh, Catholic Academy, uh, Catholic, Colorado, I went and taught at Colorado Catholic Academy. It doesn't exist anymore. 
and uh, taught fifth and sixth grade. I loved it, and uh, but I reapplied to the seminary, and uh, so I enrolled, and then I was ordained and finished up my two and a half years there. And in two thousand, I was ordained to the priesthood on December third, two thousand five, and I was uh, celebrating my first mass on uh, December fourth, which is also my birthday, and I turned thirty three years old. So I was, mm-hmm. that was a very, very special uh, to me a sign from yeah. God. And, well, let me stop there. Okay, what yeah, what that's, an, inter- that's, that's what a an interesting <laughs> road to uh, ordination. So now uh, we're in 2005, early December. You have a birthday. You're 33. You're uh, a Catholic priest. Uh, but now you're in Fort Worth, and so uh, and you know five what uh, 15 years later. And so how how did you spend uh, those those uh, years leading up to now? What you're doing now? So. So uh, I, you were in Denver I, for a while, I was in right? Denver. I started as a parochial vicar for two and a half years at the largest parish in Denver. We, we had 22,000 people on the books. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. It was <laughs> every Sunday, there were four priests, and every Sunday you do a different mass, and every day, every, every Sunday I look out, it's like seeing a new congregation every week. Yeah. It was cra- oh, oh, it was too large. Okay. Yeah. Well, um, we got parishes like that here. I know, yeah. no, it's, it's yeah. becoming, uh, it's becoming a regular phenomenon. Yeah. But, um, and then I was appointed pastor in Boulder. At Sacred Heart of Mary Parish, I was there for about seven years, and at that, after that, I I stepped away from and asked uh, Archbishop Aquila at the time, Archbishop Denver, if I could uh, go for a sabbatical, and I took some time off, went back to actually Norcia for prayer, and I really I I love liturgy, and I do love the I do enjoy the academic life, so I discovered uh, the uh, liturgical institute, so I asked Aquila if I could take a couple of years and go get a degree and, you know, figure out what, what's the next path here. And uh, he was very gracious, let me do it. And uh, so I got that degree in 2017. And then I thought, you know, I, I one of the struggles for me with uh, uh, diocesan life was just um, living in Denver. I didn't have any family or any mm-hmm. real community. So I went, I did explore some oratories, because at least there's the community life. And so I did the visit with the, and lived with the community in DC, the Oratory DC, uh, for about nine months. <laughs> I'm trying to put this, uh, this map oh, together yeah, this of all year. your movements. Boy, you're, you're, yeah. we're, we're, we're racking up some frequent flyer miles, aren't you? Uh, yes, yeah. that's true. Yeah. So I, I tried that and then, and I said, no. And I've been learning more about the Eastern Church. Yeah. All this stuff, especially through my liturgical studies. And we should say, yeah, you're Lebanese. Lebanese heritage. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, heritage. Yes. Okay. Yep. Yep. Okay, so you're in D.C., you're checking out... Uh, the oratory. Yeah, the oratory. Okay, what's yeah. next? So, and I, and I thought, this isn't for me, so I came back. Actually, I was able to come home. Uh, Aquila just let me come home, stay with my father, take care of him a little, uh, take care of him. And uh, and I re- and that's where I just began to go all Eastern. We can just, I just uh-huh. threw myself into it, just started really looking into it. And what really convinced me was I took a, a month-long trip to Lebanon mm-hmm. in uh, last year, right at the end of Great Lent, what we call Lent, Great Lent, and I spent Holy Week there and the first two weeks of Easter, and I and I spent most time was with, with Melkites, mm-hmm. and, and I got to know Lebanon. I'd never been there, and yeah. I just... This, this, I'm home. Yeah. I'm home. Let me ask you a general question. When we say East... And, you know, oh, as yeah. opposed to West, what's the general distinction? I know there's a lot of particulars and all that. We have a Byzantine Eastern Catholic Church here in Irving where we are. Father Christopher Andrews is a, a dear friend of mine. What, what, what is significant about a church being Eastern? 
Oh my gosh! And what okay. little? Well, yeah, sure. Though, give me the the abbreviated uh, one. What what does that mean? The, you or mean what, the biggest the, difference? What's the distinction? Because or... you, you said you really were becoming enamored with the Eastern uh, liturgy, the Eastern Church, and I just wonder what does that mean? They put a lot more emphasis on liturgy. Yeah, and the way you it, the way you come to God is they put so much more uh, on experience mm-hmm. and experience first and foremost through prayer. Yeah. And the prayer is really prayer of the heart. So, and this is a common example I've been giving to people as I, as I reflect about this. If you, in the Latin Roman church, we put a lot more emphasis on the mind, mm-hmm. memorization, learning. In fact, the catechism of the Catholic church, which is mostly a Roman, even though Melchites don't disagree with it, will begin with the creed. Yeah. The last section is the prayer. Yeah. If you talk to an Easterner, it will be completely different. They would mm-hmm. begin with prayer, liturgy, and then the creed. And you learn the faith through the experience of prayer. Okay. Would you say there's more of a Thomistic lean in the Western church or more intellectual? Thomistic, that, that, but in general, yeah. it would be, Thomism is really part of a bigger thing Scholastic. called scholasticism. Yeah, and that's when right. you really begin to see from the 1200s on, the East and West really kind of going different different right. ways. Even yeah. though the split had happened a couple of centuries before that, right? Well, Officially, you know, yeah. that that's a that's an interesting. There, actually, to be honest, the split went in and out because yeah. we actually have evidence. And 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 the thing about it, the split was between Constantinople and Rome. The Antiochian Church never saw itself in uh, schism with the Roman Church. Mm-hmm. That began in the 1700s. Yeah. And we know that because we actually have documents where people were receiving communion in both uh, churches. Yeah. Because even when the missionaries came, Capuch- the Franciscans into the Middle East, the, the, the people would receive communion from the, from the Franciscans, from the Jesuits all. So really the hard break with the Antiochian church, if we can talk about that. Didn't begin to the 1700s. Yeah. There are so many different tangents we could go off on. Yes, and I'm I, sorry. I, 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 I could. I'm going to have lunch with you someday and talk to you for four hours. Uh, okay. let, let me let me get, because uh, I know June of this year, 2020, is when your new position started. So we're just talking about a few months here. Yes. And so what what are you doing now? And I know you, you were given permission by, uh, what, Archbishop Aquila, right? To, Aquila, yes. To Aquila to, to do this. So what are you doing now and why are you in North Texas? So in fall of 2019, I petitioned to my own bishop, uh, Aquila, in Denver, if I could ex-cardinate, which is to leave the diocese canonically, and to enter into the a diocese, or was in the Melchites called eparchy, mm-hmm. same, it's the same, means territory. I petitioned Bishop Samra, Nicholas Samra, who's the bishop of the Melchite Church in the United States, which is it's just one big diocese, okay, mm-hmm. because we only have like 45 parishes outreaches. And so it was all finalized in uh, the summer, in this past summer. Yeah. where I've been given permission to live in the DFW area to begin a Melkite outreach here to find people of the El- of the Melkite yeah. outreach. And what and kind of what kind of population are you talking about? How many are there? We that... don't know. We don't okay. know. Yeah, the the problem is because there hasn't been a Melkite church here. Yeah. You know, a lot of them a lot of the millions like my family just started growing up just started going to Latin Rite church. Yeah. Properly speaking, basically anybody who's from the Middle East or from Egypt or from Sudan you're Melkite. Okay. If you're not Maronite, you're gonna you're Melkite. That's it. so. Many of our listeners are familiar with Maronite, Our, our mm-hmm. Lady of Lebanon, Father Assad. We've had a great relationship with them. Uh, many people who have no 
you know, background and you know, heritage in Lebanon, love the 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 the, the, the you know the the liturgy, the love the what what they do over there. So, what's the difference between Maronite and Melkite? The Mar- uh, so Maronites follow. Uh, I don't want to get too complicated. They follow what's called, what's called the Syriac tradition. Okay. Okay. And the Me- the Melkites follow the Byzantine tradition. They were part of the Byzantine Empire. Mm-hmm. To give you very simple, a lot of these distinctions happen because of political. Yeah. Things you had the Byzantines come down eventually, and slowly they became the protectorate of the Mel- what we know as the Melkite Christians, while the Maronites kept more of their Syriac. I, I don't know how much we want to get into that. So, <laughs> do you have a, a church? Where do you celebrate Mass? Do you have a community now, or or what? What does it no, look we're like starting, right is, now? Is ground, starting from scratch. This is groundbreaking. It's but just you're saying starting. Mass every day. What, where do you say Mass? So. Uh, right now I do it at the house, although I'm, I'm gonna be helping out Father Chris at the Ruthenian parish, because the okay. Ruthenians, the Byzantine liturgy, the Melkites and the Ruthenians, it's the Byzantine liturgy. So we have the same liturgy. Melkites, the chants will be slightly different. You say Father Chris, which parish is that? Or? At uh, St. Basil's. Oh, Basil so here. So actually okay. I'm gonna yeah. be celebrating his 10 o'clock liturgy, he's, he's out of town right yeah. now. So I'm celebrating his 10 o'clock liturgy this Sunday, next liturgy, oh, okay. next Sunday. So, but right now, no, I don't, we don't have anywhere made. So where I'm celebrating mass at home right now. You're, so you're starting from scratch. Yeah, we are starting. I'm, I'm even learning the liturgy as, yeah. as, as I'm going along. So, so um, it's missionary. <laughs> Tell us, uh, I know uh, this could be a, a really long answer, but a little bit more about uh, the Melkites. The, how is it different? I, you know, you explained a little bit about how it's different from the uh, Maronites. Uh, you know, somebody listening right now saying, yeah, well, I'm from that part of the world, but I don't know if I'm a Melkite or not. And what does this all mean? <laughs> if, so, well, if, if someone is from the Middle East, yeah. I guarantee you, you are a Melkite okay. or you're Orthodox. It's the same yeah. church. Where the Melkites, the, it's the Church of Antioch. Yeah. So to make it very simple, um, in the church, there are five major churches. Everybody, every church in the entire world, every apostolic church is going to flow from one of these three, five mother churches. Even, now, one of them is Jerusalem, but we'll talk about it. So the first one's Antioch, which is the oldest one because that's where the apostles were. That's where Christ is, right? Antioch. Mm-hmm. It, it, Antioch, there was a, you don't really recognize it anymore because the name's been changed as, as, Islam's come through, they changed a lot of these names. Mm-hmm. Antioch was right on the border of what is the modern-day Turkey and Syria. It's right yeah. there, right in the Mediterranean. That, And you even hear St. Peter at one point goes to Antioch. The, fir- the place where the Christians were first called Christians was Antioch. Yeah. The place of St. Paul's first missionary for Paul and Barnabas was Antioch. So that is a, so you say, who, that's our church, meaning our, me. okay. Then of course you have Constantinople, Rome, and Alexandria. Alexandria is the modern, what we call modern day Egypt. Okay. Those are the four mother churches. One of the councils, early ones, I don't know if it was at Nicaea or Chalcedon, I can't remember, declared Jerusalem because it was the city of the apostles, the as a, was an apostolic mm-hmm, church. Yeah. So those are the five churches. So Melkites, Maronites, the Chaldeans, all these different Eastern, they all, it, and even Constantinople has its roots from the Antiochian yeah. church. So really you are just steeped in history of the church because a lot of things you're saying right now, uh, people should know, but they may not know about these breakdowns of, you know, I, I really had never heard that before, that there's only really five divisions within the church. Um, for time purposes, let me ask you, um, and by the way, if you're just tuning in and saying, who is this intriguing <laughs> priest? Uh, Father Mark Malik uh, is a priest with the Melkite eparchy, and uh, as he mentioned, there's just one eparchy in the, in the United States. I think you said 46 
six parishes. So what, what will success with air quotes look like, you know, five, 10 years down the road? What would you like to do? What's your purpose and mission so here? The, an outreach yeah. is the first stage to establish a parish mission. And then a parish mission's goal is to become a parish. Okay. That's their goal. So there's one that started in Houston five years ago. They are a parish mission. They've got some land. They're doing their fundraising. Uh, two years ago, a parish mission began in, or outreach, actually it's an outreach in San Antonio. So we're actually the third Melkite establishment in Texas, but our goal is to establish a parish. Okay. Which, a parish means what? We have a, we have a, a church. And we're able to support a permanent priest. Okay. I, my parish is in the ordinary of the Church of St. Peter. Oh, of course, yeah. it's based in Houston and we're here. We're geographically in the Fourth Diocese, but we're not of the Fourth Diocese. And so it's similar in that regard. Exactly. Where, where is the headquarters of the eparchy in the United States? Is it's there? In, it's, a, it's called the Newton eparchy oh. or eparchy of Newton, but that's, uh, is in Boston. That's yeah, in Boston, basically. Okay. Yeah. And if people have no heritage, of Antioch or that region, they're, let's just say, you know, born and raised here in America and they mm-hmm. look like me and they're just Roman Catholics, but they say this is intriguing. Can they, can they be part of you or uh, a part of the, this or do you have to, is there a, a, a cultural sta- because, uh, requirement? Oh, no, 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 no. Because we're Catholic. Yeah. If, if any Latin Catholic or any Catholic, baptized person is a Catholic, you go to a Melchite church just like you go to any Eastern Catholic church, you are free to receive communion and participate in the liturgy. And if it is part of, if you really find that this speaks, if this tradition really helps you grow closer to Christ, there, th- those can come in this discussion yeah. down the road. But yeah, uh, yeah you're, you're always welcome. Well, what can- and, and I like to say, not even baptized Catholics, if, uh, sometimes for Protestants, uh, or, or maybe you know a Muslim who's interested in Christianity. This would be actually the, the Melkites would be a good outreach to people who are Muslim who are interested in becoming Christian because this is actually part of their heritage, mm-hmm, yeah. part of their culture. And Protestants, um, bring them too. This is a different experience of, this might speak more to them than, than the Roman yeah. Latin expression. Interesting. Would you like your parish one day to be geographically in Fort Worth or just somewhere in North Texas or, or it, what it, are you thinking? Oh, cause I have my plans and then God has his plans, yeah. right? We always say, so, um, Right now, my thought is hopefully I can locate it somewhere in between Fort Worth and Dallas. So it might be like a 20, 25, 30 minute drive yeah. for anybody to come in. You so could be right here in Irving. You, you we could, could just, be uh, <laughs> right here. Although I don't want to compete with Father uh, Chris. You uh, know? Yeah, yeah, that's, we, that's right. You know, that's right. So yeah, so we'll see. I, I know there are several people who have expressed interest in the Keller area yeah. and several people have interested in the Arlington area. I know Bishop Samuels just recently, he has a whole list of Melkite yeah. people. Who live in the area from Grand Prairie and so forth. So depending on, on the location of where the most, more, most people are. And there's a website, melkitecatholicdfw.org, M-E-L-K-I-T-E, catholicdfw.org. You can learn a lot more about that now. So I'm just curious. You remind me of what I was doing 16 years ago when my mission was to get a Catholic radio station. And I sat down one day at a desk and I said, I don't know what to do. I just got to start calling people. And you know, you're, you're starting literally from scratch. That's right. So, so how do you spend your days? Are you making phone calls? Are you meeting with people? Do you, do you need, do you need funds? You, what, what, what can our listeners yes, do? Yes, that? yes, yes, uh, yes, 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 yes. Contact so, you and say, so I want to. So right now I, I've been, uh, getting the word out to yeah. people. And so that was the, thank you for this opportunity even to come on, uh, Guadalupe radio to just get the word out there to the, to the local community. First and foremost is in a outreach to, uh, any p- person of the Middle Eastern origin first. Yeah. But of course, it's an outreach to anybody. Uh, if you take that Melkite Catholic, uh, my, my web, I go and Blake now. 
Oh, uh, MelkiteCatholicDFW.org, yeah. Anybody's interested, if you go to that site, also uh, the, the phone number and emails on there, people can reach me also, Father Malik at uh, MelkiteCatholicDFW.org. Thing call it. If they have any questions, any interest, yeah, we have no. In fact, I'm just now getting the paperwork done to set up a, a bank account for the for the parish. So, yeah, it's uh, all of that. Yes. So you won't be able to accept my large donation right now, then, right? Well, we can take it and we can <laughs> wait because it'll be done very soon. And that, that might speed it up a little bit. Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, hey, thanks so much. I, I could spend another hour talking about this, and Thank I'd you. love to do another interview sometime, maybe a longer form one, because there's a lot that we didn't talk about that I would I would be interested in in speaking to you about. But for now, we're going to have to leave it at that. Father Mark Malik, M A L L I C K, the website. Uh, MelkiteCatholicDFW.org. That's like Mel and then a kite like you fly. M-E-L-K-I-T-E, CatholicDFW.org. And you'll find phone number and email and all that information on there. And uh, real pleasure meeting you, Father. Can you can you provide a blessing to our listeners through the radio uh, yes. before we wrap again, things up? Again, thank you very much for this opportunity, Dave. And uh Yes, I look forward to coming back in the future if it, if it works out. Yeah. We can talk about anything. We can talk. <laughs> yes. And may Almighty God bless all your listeners and anybody else associated with the listeners, all the families of the people here, and the radio and its great work of evangelization. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Uh, well, if you're intrigued, visit that website, MelkiteCatholicDFW.org. And uh, thank you again. It was a pleasure uh, uh, meeting Father Malik. And as I always say at the end of these interviews, if you have any suggestions, I mentioned Lourdes Hernandez who said, hey, I got an idea, and it was a great one. So if you have any ideas for anything that's local and Catholic, I'd love to, to talk about it on this program. Uh, just email me directly, DavePalmer at GRNOnline.com. Um, again, thanks to Dining Xavier, and thank you for listening and supporting great apostolates and missions and upstarts in the North Texas area. Have a great rest of your weekend. God bless you. Mary Immaculate Catholic Church in Dallas Arise Ministry invites all KTH 910 AM listeners to a night of healing prayer and adoration service on Wednesday, January 13th at 7 p.m. Encounter the wonder of God through the power of the Holy Spirit in an evening of praise and worship, adoration, confession, and healing prayer. Trained intercessory prayer teams will be available to offer prayers with the laying of the hands. For more information, visit Arise Ministry Mary Immaculate's Facebook page. Stop by Sacred Heart Books and Gifts in Dallas for their Feast of the Holy Family sale. The Feast of the Holy Family falls on Sunday, December 27th, and from Monday, December 28th through Wednesday, January 6th, Sacred Heart's entire family book selection will go on sale. Discounts will range from 10 to 30% off, with a few deep discounted gems for you to discover. So stop by and save. Sacred Heart is a longtime sponsor of KATH 910AM. You can visit their website at sacredheartdallas.com. Hello and welcome to this edition of the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. My name is Dave Palmer, host of this program. Diane Xavier is running the board and uh, we have a new guest but a repeat topic, something that I have spoken about on a few occasions over the years and it's a group that I have come to know through interviews and have great respect for what they're doing, especially for a very critical age group and uh, this is college students and we're going to be talking about the Fellowship of Catholic University Students 
missionaries and their work, uh, particularly at the University of Texas at Dallas. And I have in studio with me Jessica Martinez, who is the team director at UTD. And I do want to thank Leslie Rowe, because I think she'll be listening to this. And she's the one that reached out and said, hey, we got some <laughs> missionaries you can interview in English and in Spanish. And so, uh, Jessica, thanks for coming. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It no. is a joy to be here. So you are team director, UTD. I want to you know talk to you about that particular mission and all that. But first, about yourself. I think yes. you, you gave me your age. You know, you're in your 20s. I won't give yes. away your complete your age over the radio, but uh, young. And what is your kind of story, your your faith background, your family mm-hmm. background that kind of led you to what you're doing now? Yeah. So I am a Texas native. I grew up in a small town called Granbury, Texas. It's about 30 minutes mm-hmm. west of Fort Worth. And yeah. I grew up in the faith, like my family's Catholic, and I was very involved in my home parish, St. Francis Cabrini, um, all throughout middle school and high school. Um yeah, and that that very much laid a foundation um, for for faith in my life. However, looking back now, I can see that Jesus was very much a part of my life, but he was not the center of my life. And I very much placed my identity in who I was and where I found my meaning and my purpose and everything but him. Mm-hmm. And I very much um, depended on the approval of others, Um in my academic success, I was a very good student. Yeah. Um, and in relationships and who I was dating. And while these things are very good and God created them to be good, um, mm-hmm. they are not the end all. And yeah. so they never were enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They weren't satisfying enough. Yeah. And so I didn't know anything else. So that's how I lived my life. And then when I got to college, um, like the good Catholic that I was. Where'd you go to college? <laughs> University of North Texas. Okay. Go Denton. Green. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. <laughs> love, love Denton and I love UNT. Um, yeah. I met a focused missionary at the Catholic Center because I went, I was yeah. like, I need to find somewhere to go to mass. And I met a focused missionary there and she invited me into her Bible study. And I'd never been in like a weekly Bible study before. Mm-hmm. And week after week, um, she just invited me to, yeah, encounter Jesus Christ in the scriptures and then to apply it to my own life. Yeah. And making Jesus much more present and much more real. Yeah. And How cool that the exact same thing that happened to you, you're doing now for other students. So you got to see it play out from the other side. Yes. Somebody yes. reaching you out to you and here you are reciprocating and, and blessing other yes, people I hope as so. well. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm sure you are. You're the team director. You better be. Uh, so did that kind of set you off in a new course? Cause I know in reading your bio online, there also was an experience, uh, in mass, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a, a Eucharistic experience. So, well, what happened there? Yeah. So throughout the year and throughout the time, um, my friend who's a missionary, she encouraged me to go to, to the sacraments, to attend the sacraments regularly. And it was on summer that I was trying to go to mass every day. And, um, I was at ICC in Denton at like an eight mm-hmm. o'clock mass. And I'm just sitting there kneeling and Father, Father Tim was consecrating the Eucharist. And all of a sudden, this huge amount of grace just comes over me, and I start crying yeah. at 8 o'clock in the morning. And <laughs> People are wondering what's going on. Yeah, right? <laughs> and I'm like the youngest person there, and there's just yeah. a lot of sweet old ladies there probably yeah. thinking I'm crazy. Yeah. But I'm looking at the Eucharist, and it's just realization hits me that that is Jesus Christ who loves me, mm-hmm. and that everything that I've been looking for was right there. Oh, wow. And, and it was after that that I knew I, my life needed to change. Right. 
Yeah. So. And so you graduated UNT. Uh, what yes. year was that? Uh, May 2017. Okay. Yes. So, yeah, about a little over three years ago. And then did you immediately get into, because I know you've been a focused missionary for about four years, so doing the math, you pretty much started right out of college, yep. right? I applied my yeah. fall of my senior year, and so right after I graduated, went off to, to training to be a focused missionary. Yeah, and they're based in Colorado. Yes. Uh, some people, uh, I think there's a, the website is focus.org, again, Fellowship of Catholic University Students. And all right, so now that we've learned about you and your background <laughs> and uh, all that, very interesting story, uh, tell us about focus. Uh, mm-hmm. What is it? Because some people are listening right now saying, well, what, what is focus? What does it mean? <laughs> I mean, what, what's, what's the, the purpose and mission of it? Mm-hmm. So, yes, the Fellowship of Catholic University Students is a collegiate outreach in which we, so meaning we're on college campuses and universities across the United States and in parts of Europe. Yeah. Um, but we invite college students to have a relationship with Jesus Christ and with his church. And then we teach them to do the same with other students. And this is public and private schools? Yes, correct. Public okay. and private schools. And on the invitation of the school, you don't just show up. Uh, this is something that you're in collaboration. Mm-hmm. The administration knows you're there. You're living on campus or, or what? <laughs> well, it's actually on the invitation of yeah. the bishop. Oh, okay. So the, who, whatever the bishop of that diocese, if they would like for focus to come mm-hmm. to whatever university, it's through their invitation and okay. blessing first. But are you having meetings on campus? campus or is it off or because there has, uh, what, to, to what degree are you, is the university you know are, 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 are recogn- kind of, recognizing your presence on campus because I you can't just kind of go on campus and just start setting up meetings right <laughs> no okay so we work in conjunction and alongside whatever Catholic ministry is uh-huh. already there yeah okay so what what are you know the Take me through a typical week, and we'll talk about the whole COVID mm-hmm. thing, because I know, you know, the last semester and this semester are probably a little different than it was a year ago. Definitely. Under normal circumstances, what, what do you do? How do you reach out? How mm-hmm. do you attract? Well, what's, what's the, what's the, the kind of weekly or monthly kind of agenda? The kind of, um, well, every day we have meetings with the team. Um, where we discuss strategy on how can we best invest into the students here at this university, because mm-hmm. every campus looks different. And we go to mass every day. We, we like, um, I was thinking the word in Spanish, yeah. <laughs> we nourish ourselves. Stick with English, okay? You're going to really throw me <laughs> off, yes. <laughs> we sustain ourselves with, with the mass, with the Eucharist, and with mm-hmm. prayer. So we pray yeah. a holy hour every day. And this, our relationship with the Lord sustains our mission. Yeah. And so that's kind of the driving force. But um, we have team meetings every day. We discuss strategy. We also have um, formation. Mm-hmm. And we are growing um, continually in our own formation in relation to the Lord intellectually um, so that we can better um, serve the students on our yeah. campus. But then the rest of the time is spent um, out on campus meeting new students, maybe tabling or it could just be walking around the student union or the library, you know, common areas where students mm-hmm. gather, um, getting to know students um, on just a very human level um, or Oh, do you have a question? No, no I, I was just thinking from a, a demographic standpoint, uh, I, and I don't need exact numbers, but how many students at UTD, or do you know approximately undergraduates, or uh, probably thousands, uh, and maybe twenty five percent of them are Catholic, or uh, so you got you got a pretty big pool. Yep, I, I guess what I'm getting pool. at is 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 your mission to reach out to Catholics? Or are you trying to let non Catholics know about the Catholic faith? Who are you 
kind of targeting, so to speak? Everyone. Okay. <laughs> Everybody. Okay. Yeah, okay. I would say everyone. Like, yes, we, we start with the Catholic students who are already involved and continue to walk with them in their journey towards Christ. Mm-hmm. But we know that Jesus Christ calls everyone to himself. Yeah. And so our mission is not limited to just Catholic students, but to the entire student population, because mm-hmm. we desire for everyone to, to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, because that's what they were made yeah. for. And the spectrum of just among Catholics is probably so wide. You probably have people on one end who hate the Catholic faith. They don't want to have anything to do with it. And then some people who would come to every meeting just to watch paint dry if they had to. I mean, they, they're just, they, they can't get enough, yep, right? Definitely so you it, it can't be one size fits all approach, right? You have mm-hmm. to really be able to deal with a lot of different kind of personalities and, yes. and, and backgrounds and baggage and that. So how do you approach that? Well, I think. A really cool thing is that I'm not in this mission by myself yeah. and that I work on a team of, I have three other teammates, so two two men and another um, woman. Yeah. And so collectively together, we work um, towards meeting the needs of the students. And just like no two people are alike, no two relationships are alike, we, between all of us, we can challenge one another to reach out beyond beyond what we normally would, mm-hmm. you know, if yeah. it was just one of us. Yeah. What do you find is, um, uh, you know, this is a, an age when a lot of people walk away from the faith. I, I know, you know, when I was in college, I wasn't that involved in my faith. It's a challenging time. It's a time yeah. where people are making a lot of life decisions about marriage and career and school is difficult. It's a stressful time, right? Oh, yeah. So how 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 do you find... Um, the 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 best approach to, to to reach out to people. You talk about going around the, maybe the lunchroom and just chatting mm-hmm. with people. How do you kind of get get that get, ent- get that entry into a, a relationship of trust? Right. Yeah, I think a lot of it is just finding common ground. Uh-huh. Um, and I would say that's something. It's a it's a good skill for any kind of discussion that you want to have with anyone about anything. Is finding yeah. a common ground where you can start and work towards something together. So even if I'm meeting a stranger, um, maybe they are wearing a band t-shirt of one of my favorite bands. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, Hey, did you go to their concert? Yeah. And just, just finding like even just non, non religious ways of having a conversation person to person. Mm -hmm. That's not me immediately telling them, yeah, this is, Right. What you need to know, or what you need to do, or whatever. whatever. Are you saved? <laughs> I would not approach someone like that. But just finding something that I could talk to them about, or asking yeah. them, "Hey, how's your day?" And there's, yeah. yeah, yeah, right. Have you found it? This may be an odd question. Have you found it easier or harder? Because obviously, the somebody reached out to you, and you know, you were you were ready. You know, you kind of get somebody when they're ready. They may be not ready today, and they're ready a year from now. Uh, have you, generally speaking, found it easy to evangelize on campus, or has it been more challenging than you thought? Would you say now with COVID or just in my time and focus in general? Uh, we'll go ahead and go COVID. Yeah, let, let's, <laughs> let's start talking about COVID because that's our, our new reality, yeah, right? It's, it's yeah. harder, isn't it? I think it, it creates this interesting kind of dynamic because, okay, well, you have a face mask. Yeah. So that itself covers half of the expressions. Yeah, <laughs> you can can't have. see smiles. Yeah. yeah. But I also think because of how isolated we are becoming and how we're asked to not be by one another, that people are hungry for relationship and for interaction. Mm -hmm. And so 
I think it does create this kind of initial awkwardness that there there's a mask and I'm not supposed to like talk to you. But I have also found that sometimes people just want to talk. Yeah. And sometimes people just just want someone to sit by them, even right. if it's six feet away. <laughs> <laughs> Come cozy up to me from six feet from away, six right? Feet away and say just hi, uh, how you're doing? <laughs> hi. Uh, Sending smoke, sing- smoke yeah. signals out here. Jessica Martinez is my guest. We're talking about uh, Fellowship of Catholic University students. She is the uh, team director at the University of Texas at Dallas in Richardson. Uh, pretty big, you know, school. And she, as she mentioned, she's got a team of three others and uh, is involved uh, there. On a, on a daily basis. Focus.org is the website if you want to learn more uh, about the, the mission. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, the, the, the challenges, like you say, the face mask, the distancing, but it also seems like you're implying that in some ways there's an advantage because maybe people are recognizing their need for fraternity, their need for togetherness, their need for right? community, yeah, their desire yeah. To, to talk to other people. And, and it, not just talk to the people but to have interactions i think mm-hmm. so many of the students i know a lot of the freshmen are just have classes online yeah and so they they crave that human interaction of being able to converse with someone without a screen between them yeah yeah and you have uh, an initiative called focus 153 we started talking about it before we recorded and i said <laughs> stop i want to hear about it for the first time uh, during the interview so what, what is focus 153 and what does that mean yeah so focus 153 is our new initiative um to be more diverse, inclusive, to reach out to not just one type of people, but to all the peoples. Mm -hmm. Um, It comes from the last few chapters of John, probably the last chapter of John, uh, the Gospel of John, where it's after the resurrection, and Peter and the disciples... Oh, it's the fish. Yes, it's the fish. 153 fish, okay. Yes, they go out and they go fishing, and they don't catch anything until Jesus tells them to. And so they put down their nets, and they catch 153 types of fish. Right. And there's yes. been a lot of speculation about what does that mean? Yes. Some people say that was the number of countries at the time, or I, I, don't, I don't know. But So St. Yeah. Jerome actually says that at this time, that was all of the species of fish known to man. Okay. There was 153 types of fish known at that time. So for them, that's signifying, you know, they're called to be fishers of men. That's yeah. to go to all types of people. Yeah. Now give me an example of who... Who are you traditionally maybe, who's the, the low-hanging fruit that maybe they're saying, okay, we got them, keep them, but give me some examples of groups that maybe you might otherwise not have thought to evangelize. Yeah, I think a lot of it is like, well, we appeal to the people who are already Catholic. Yeah. And so a lot of that is primarily Caucasian or Hispanic too. Uh-huh. Like these are people who are already Catholic, yeah. but also reaching out to other groups, other types of people, maybe the Black Student Organization or the Asian student organization, just going out to maybe something that we're maybe not as familiar with. I mean, I'm Mexican American, mm-hmm. but that's that's someone's beautiful culture that I actually don't know a lot about. Yeah. And I can just by asking questions and learning more and asking, I want to know more about you, yeah. you know, and your and your culture and your background. Let's let's build a bridge and let me get to know you. Yeah. And how's that going? Is it working? Is it seeing some fruits from it? It's or some, kind fish, of... <laughs> some fish from it so far? Yeah, it's been, I think it's just, this is Focus's first year mm-hmm. at UT Dallas. So that itself makes it a little harder because 
we're not familiar with the university, we're not familiar with all the organizations, and then COVID kind yeah. of. Oh, the first year at UTD? Yes, this is oh, our first wow. year at okay. UTD. Okay, so where, did you, where were you the last three years? Um, my first two years, I was at Colorado State University, oh, okay. Northern Colorado. Yeah. And then I, my last year, I was team director at Cal State Fullerton in Southern California. Oh, wow. Okay, I, I just assumed you had been at UTD <laughs> the whole time, so you've really been around uh, yeah. at uh, different parts of the, of the country. That, that's yeah. really interesting. What is um, what, what is your future hold or do you think is this something that you can just keep doing year after year or is there some like after mm-hmm. you know five or six years they're like okay thank you <laughs> or what what do you, what do you think you're going to con- continue working with focus um i think that i will continue to be a missionary for the mm-hmm. rest of my life whether or not that will be with focus um i don't know i guess i'll have to see what the lord says yeah but yeah focus is on after your, you, so you initially sign on for a two year contract. And after that is kind of a year by year basis or looking at long term, maybe multiple years. Um, I'm still discerning on what that next step is for me, whether it's yeah. more years of focus or I've definitely looked at, um, working in the diocese. If that was an avenue yeah. the Lord is calling me, I'd love to take what I've applied, what I've learned in focus and apply it. Um, to parish life. Yeah, very nice. And a couple questions. We're about out of time. Jessica Martinez, team director, University of Texas at Dallas with Focus Missionaries, Fellowship of Catholic University Students. They're located online at focus.org. If people are listening Mm -hmm. and one, they would like to support Focus Missionaries uh, financially, Mm -hmm. or two, maybe somebody's listening and saying, wow, I'd like to do that. Uh, (laughs) Who can be a Focus Missionary, and also how can people support you or others financially? Yeah, so the website has everything that you need. I think there is a donate section where you could donate to Focus Nationally, you could donate to a specific team, so UT Dallas, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we'd welcome any any donors and are so grateful for any kind of support or to specific missionaries, which you can just find any missionaries on the page as well. Okay. And to be a missionary, you have to oh, be a how? Yes. Uh, what, what age or, or who, who can, who can apply and what's the process? So missionaries are generally young adults. Mm-hmm. Um, but the age range can vary from like recent grad. So yeah. 22, 21 even to like, yeah, I would say up to, I, I don't know who, I remember one of my friends who's a missionary Younger now. than me. <laughs> <laughs> he was hired at 29. Right. He oh, and his right. now wife. You got to be out of college. Yeah, yeah so out of yeah. college, degree holding. Okay. Um, but young adults and, yeah, I would say any, yeah, someone who who is a practicing Catholic, yeah. desires to be on mission, desires to share the faith, Um yeah. Yeah. Wow. What what a what a great uh, organization. Like I I said at the beginning, I, I'm familiar with it just through doing interviews like this. I never personally was involved in it. I I know Curtis Martin. I've, I've heard him speak, and I know about his story as well. And so, really invite people to uh, well, first of all, pray for, uh, for Jessica, her team, and all Focus Missionaries. Yes, thank you. It's so important and. Uh, and also, if you're interested in maybe doing this, or you maybe you're a parent and you're saying, wow, maybe our son or daughter should do this, uh, you can go to that website, focus.org. A last question I'll ask you, because uh, okay. in Catholic Radio, the, the number one prayer request we we get, I mean, year after year after year after year after year, is pray for my son or daughter who left the church. Okay, mm-hmm. so you're right there on ground zero, where a lot of people are making decisions about whether I want to be Catholic or not. Uh, any advice for parents, according to what you've seen or what you see in this age category, that say, you know, maybe preparing them for college or um, what yes. they should do to, as they're sending their child off to college, and other than 
find those focused missionaries <laughs> and latch on to them. What, what would you say? Yes. I would say, yes, of course. Please be praying always for your children, mm-hmm. but especially pray for them to encounter good friends. Yeah. I think that, I mean, our apostolate works through personal friendship. And so I think if you're praying for your students to have good, holy friends, yeah. that will do so much for 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 your for your sons and your daughters. And then I would also recommend just continuing to, to have spiritual conversations with with your sons and daughters. I remember Curtis Martin saying that there was a study that um, people who, who stayed in the church and who grew up, what was the trend in all of those families of all those children is that growing up... Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic radio for your soul in North Texas. Heard also on grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 